another episode of Real Estate Renovators, the show for real estate professionals to gain knowledge and understanding of different business owners in the industry. Now, I think you just changed your entire category. <laughs> I think it sounded great though. It sounded good, but I thought it was a business advisory show, show for, for real, real estate, estate professionals. professionals. There we go. A business advisory show for real estate professionals. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we continue, I'd like to introduce my absolutely ridiculous co-host. We've got Rexy to the right and the Wish version of Jason Statham to the left. Welcome, Thank boys. Thank you. I'm not allowed to laugh at this because I didn't know what Wish was. <laughs> wish, Rex thought Wish was far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is, I mean, our, like online shopping, far-fetched. Our audience is going to be laughing at home, Rexy. That's, <laughs> okay. just, that's all we're going to say. I'm going to look up Wish afterwards. Um, it, it, it means a better version of. So I'm the better version of Jason Statham is what she's trying to say. Let's just let she should stop <laughs> So what's today's episode about, guys? Today, what are we talking about? We're talking about culture. So it looks like we have a bit of a culture on this set already, <laughs> thanks to the alcohol, I think. There's always a culture. Uh, I don't know how good the culture is. But there well, is you a missed culture. out on season one. This season is toxic one. culture. This yeah. is toxic masculinity. I'm the one that goes through a headlock by someone. <laughs> um, Chanel always talks about culture. Uh, it, she resonates there. She talks to me about it all the time. I, most of the time don't listen. Um, <laughs> but we thought we'd bring someone on the show that can teach her about culture and not putting her co-hosts in headlock. So we've got Jacob, a number one author, bestseller in Amazon yep. for Culture is King and Chanel is interviewing him. Hope you enjoy it, guys. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jacob. How, how are you, firstly? Really good, really yeah. good. Yeah, it's beautiful. The sun's shining, we've got a crazy view here, so. I oh, know, it's, it's a nice. good day. Yeah. So obviously it's been a crazy year for us in 2021. How's it been for you with lockdowns and, and all the rest happening? How have you managed to sort of navigate through everything? It's definitely been interesting, to say the least. Um, I think the biggest thing I've probably learned out of this whole period has been the mindset, the resilience around um, how this is challenging people on a day-to-day -day basis about just how do we survive? How do we get through this um, time? And, and I think the, the gratitude that people are having for when things get back to normal, which they eventually will, whatever mm. the new normal is going to be. Mm. Um, but I think the things, the simple things about catching up with family, friends, being able to go out um, to a restaurant and not have any real thoughts about restrictions or, you know, are we breaking any laws or anything like that? So, yeah, it's definitely been challenging. Though. It's gratitude, right? I mean, I think a lot of us took the small things for granted that we're really not taking for granted anymore. And, yeah. you know, love your friends that little bit more and, and appreciate your family and all the small things in life. So I'm glad, glad to hear that. So obviously we brought you here today, Jacob, because you are an expert, probably more so than, than anyone we've had on our show surrounding culture. So I know this is a topic that we talk a lot about and, and it's a word thrown around really, yeah. really commonly without people truly understanding what culture means. So can you start by sort of defining for us, what is culture and how can this be implemented into the workforce? It's a really great question. And it's really, it's a challenging one because culture at first, when we speak to most business owners and directors and they, in today's day and age, we're probably like at least a decade, decade and a half where the, the word is so much more commonly spoken about, like you were saying, Correct. right? And business owners understand that at some level, they need to have a good, whatever that means, a good culture within their organization to be successful. Um, but how do we touch and feel it? How do we sort of, you know, put our fingers on it? Mm. Cause it seems so intangible. Um, look, ultimately I explained to them, like, think about you building a house, right? And when the first thing when you, when you think about building a house, you've got to have a strong foundation. Everything comes off that foundation, right? Mm. doesn't matter how pretty the outside is or how great the appliances are or whatever the design element that you're walking with in your house. Mm. If that foundation isn't rock solid, you're going to have problems. 
you're going to start seeing cracks appear. You're going to have to fix those cracks and eventually those cracks will become too big and too grand. And the worst case scenario is that you're going to have to demolish the house and restart again. Or in mm. the business terminology, you know, the business folds and unfortunately, you know, a good product or service or a good team are no longer, you know, available. Mm. So it really is the essence. It's the core of what makes businesses succeed. You know, a product or a service is just that without the people and without the way that we deliver that into an organization. Mm. And so ultimately, I say to, say to directors, it really is about how you do what you do. So everything from the way that you greet each other when you walk in to the way that you hire, the way that you onboard, the way that you even let people go, the way that you market sales and communicate to your greater audience. Everything really comes down to that. It's almost like a vibe or an energy. So people just experience and they just kind of go, there's something about, I can't put my finger on it, but I really like doing business with you and I want to do more. And I want to, in fact, I want to talk about you and rave about you to everybody that I know. And that really is the ultimate status of what a high quality culture brings. Great answer. There's so much depth to that. I think our audience is going to take a lot from that. Thank you. Can we draw it back a little bit, Jacob? What got you so passionate about company culture and, and where did that all stem from for you? Yeah, it's a really, really funny question because if you ask me that question, say about you know 10 or 12 years ago before I got started, I don't even think I knew what company culture was. And I was in this transition phase between my corporate life and going into the coaching world. Mm. And I was sitting there with my mentor and they're saying, where do you want to go? And you know, you've obviously got a passion for helping people. You know, where do you want to take this thing? And I'm like, I don't really know. So they're like, well, what do you like to do about coaching? And look, mm. I love helping people because I think that we're on this world for such a short amount of time. Mm. And so I think we need to really maximize that time. And there are some fundamental things that we know about the human behavior that if we can really just share some common information knowledge, people can, I think, live a high quality life. Mm. And there's no boundaries around that. It's really what is right for you is not going to be right for me, but I just want people to have that freedom. Mm. And he's like, okay, that sounds great. And then what else do you like? So look, I love talking about business. I don't know what it is, but the, the challenges, the growth, I think it's such a great metaphor for life in itself. Mm. Mm. And I think financial freedom independence is a really big part of life because it offers us so much power. So he's like, great, got it. Why don't we just combine the two together? I'm like, what does that mean? And so he said, well, company culture. And I'm like, I looked in blank that I've gone, I've got no idea what you're talking yeah. about. And he said to me, look, ultimately people spend 40 to 50, 60 hours sometimes every week at work. And they see their work colleagues more than they see their own family and friends. So true. So true, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sort of nodding my head going, yeah, I get this. And they're like, well, imagine impacting that environment and creating a place where people would love to come to work. Mm. And I'm like, go on, keep telling them more. And they're like, well, imagine that. So if somebody comes to work and they feel trusted, respected, safe environment. They can find out all about themselves. They can develop and they can do something they're really connected to, like a vision or a passion. Mm. I'm like, sold, I'm in. What's this thing called company culture? Let me keep going. And so I wanted to come from a perspective of if I can help people for that 40, 50, 60 hours of the week, find a better place, mm. well, then they can take that home and be a better version of themselves. And I got to believe that there are a lot of directors out there that really care about their staff. Mm. But this thing about company culture, when they started, it was a product or a service they fell in love with. Mm. And then it was kind of like, well, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody else to help me. I need somebody else to help me. And all of a sudden now they're a HR department and they're a finance department and they're a sales and marketing department. And they're not just the person who fell in love with that product or service. Mm. So it's not their fault that they don't know how to create a high performing environment or culture. They just need a bit of a hand. 
Mm. And so I thought when I heard that, I thought, fantastic, done, I'm in. And that's really where so it started. So true, right? Because I mean, with most businesses, right, you have a business owner that's created this, this concept or this business, and they're so focused on implementing this business into place that everything can become background noise. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it, it, someone needs to take charge of that background noise and turn that into culture. So people are drawn to, to obviously going to a workforce yeah. and staying there long term. 100%. Um, you know, I've, if we've got clients that are on, you know, watching this right now and they're going, well, my company culture needs work. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're already an established business. You know, things are ticking along, having a bit of turnover. You know, they throw the word good culture around, but they don't yeah. really know what that means. So how would someone who already has a company in place reinvent or create a strong culture? It's a great question. I think, first of all, if there are directors out there asking that question, I congratulate them because it's a really self-reflecting type of question mm. to say, you know, you've probably got good culture, you've probably got good staff, but if you can have that reflection and go, we could do it better, we could take this to another level, mm. the opportunity for that company to go to another level is just exponential. So first of all, I'd say the big transition needs to be that culture needs to become um, a central point of your strategy. Mm. It's not on your to-do list. It's not like it's a quarterly review that we do or an annual review. It becomes the nucleus of every conversation that you have within your organization. Mm, As I said mm. before, from finance to marketing to sales to client experience, mm. when you truly understand the power of what your culture is capable of, then all of a sudden it is the thing that we talk about the business. So it needs to become the central point. Second of all, culture is a top-down model before it becomes a bottom-up model. So what that means is yeah, that the- Yeah, please elaborate Yeah, on that. yeah, for sure. So the directors and the senior leaders of an organization, regardless of how big or small that might be, need to be the catalyst for the change. Mm. You see, you know, if they see themselves as different and they say, look, we want a great culture, so I'm gonna have all my team do this. This is what good culture is for our company, right? But they see themselves as different and they don't have to be part of that mm. journey. It stems from the top, right? Right, so they're already creating this divide saying there's them and us, there's different rules for you and me, can't have that. So the directors need to be not only on board, but they need to be part of the process and the evolution. Then what ends up happening as the culture stems down and the team gets on board and drives it, they will end up driving it back up and it'll just keep this beautiful cycle going back around where everybody starts driving the culture. Mm, I like that you said that because it's easy to, to implement a culture, but it comes from the top. Has to. It really does. And, yeah. the, and the owners and the, the, the directors of a business, they create it, they nurture it, and, and it has to be coming from them. Yeah. Um, really interesting. So talk us through jacob what does a good workplace culture look like from your experience yeah and what does a negative workplace culture look like yeah for sure i'm gonna start on the negative because i think that's an easy one we've all sort of well yeah most of us have probably been at some point in time or I at least heard about it watching this has worked in a, in yeah. a poor working environment before yeah. so i think it's important definitely share the negative yeah so look definitely things like you've got um the, the symptoms are going to be uh, a lot of sick days on mondays people not wanting to come in on fridays dragging their feet, you've got high turnover of staff, you're finding it really hard to attract high quality talent. Um, generally speaking, your profits for the group are gonna be below the industry norm. Mm. Um, there's gonna be a lot of chaos and um, distraction within your own four walls. I always say to companies, if the battle's inside your own four walls, you're in trouble because the battle's really out there. How do we attract more ideal clients? Mm. If we're spending so much of our own time focusing mm. internally about who said what and who's arguing with what department and who's blaming who for what, all of a sudden, you're not focusing on the bigger picture. And that's it, right? I think negative culture equals high turnover, which yes. high turnover equals lower profits, right? Because how do, you, how do you have a strong running business when you're constantly turning through staff, constantly hiring staff, training them, yep. developing them, and then they leave the business? Like that is so, 
you know, it, it can really destroy a business because the, the core part and the core success of any business yeah. is its people. 100%. And if you can't maintain your people, then there's a serious problem, right? And that yes. all stems back to culture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was really interesting from Jacob there. And, you know, I really resonate with how he talks about culture comes from the top, has to start at the top yeah. and, then, and then work its way down throughout an organization. What's and comes back up. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah. a big circle of life. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good Lion King reference there. I get, I get it, I get it. But, you know, it, it does have to start from the top, of course. It has to be driven by the management executive team, but then there has to be buy-in. Um, all the way throughout the uh, organization and then back up. Um, I think it's going to be authentic. Levels. If it's authentic, it's coming straight from the heart and it, you've built that rapport with your team, they'll buy in. Mm. If you yeah. make it up or if you've read it and try to regurgitate what you've read and it's not authentic, in my experience, it doesn't work. I also liked how we discussed that culture comes from the, your, your people and you've got to hire people according to the culture. You know what I mean? So you've got to have the right team behind you in order to cultivate the right culture. And absolutely, it has to come from the top. I liked how he mentioned it's also like a living, breathing organism that's constantly changing and developing. It's not just this is our culture and it stays that way for, for 10 years. It's a constantly evolving You've got to maintain organism. it. If you don't maintain it, it dies. And if you get the wrong people in your team that, um, and I've been guilty of this in the past, didn't get rid of them quick enough, um, it spreads. Mm. And then yeah. it's harder to like reassemble your culture. Mm. So in my- There's maintenance needed, right? Maintenance constantly. It's and a, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, Rex, because I think, I don't think there'd be a single business owner with a team that hasn't had a, a bad employee or a bad experience for their culture. And I think that's one of the only ways you learn, right? How the problem to is, it's not necessarily the bad employees, the bad culture. And that's when it becomes like a, the 10, a gorilla in the room that could be the well, number like one cancer, sales agent. But it's a cancer. But you get one a, bad, and then they spread the word. Oh, this is bad. Then but they're good employees, or they make you money. You don't want to get rid of them. Yeah, it's a hard one, right? It's a hard one, and I've been guilty of not getting rid of them because they're they're good employees. They're mm. good at what they do, but they're not. They don't culture fit. It's never pleasant, right? I mean, I mean, having to do that's probably the worst part of being in business is having to let someone go. But if you have someone that's bad for your culture in the organization, it'll bring the rest of the team down. And in fact, if you don't do it even though it feels bad in the moment, you're actually letting down the rest of your team. True. Um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those bad things in business that you have to do sometimes to make it for the better of, of the, the greater good of the organization and everyone else. I don't else. know. See, I've let go of a, a number of people. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if you're transparent with your team members and they know where they stand yeah. at any one time, when it comes to the time they have to go, they know. So every time I've let anyone go, by the time I get there, they're already well yeah. known because mm. you've already had those discussions along the way. Or they'll self-select, right? A lot, a lot of people will self-select. If, if they know they don't fit with the culture and the culture is really set, they'll usually self-select anyway, right? And I think it's out. important as like well that, that yes, it might be a, a really high performer that you need to let go that's a, it, that could potentially lower Why the profits of your business. <laughs> <laughs> it's because this is my better, my better side. <laughs> <laughs> on that side. Um, but inevitably, yes, they might be a high performer and they might be generating a lot of profit for your business, but how many good people are leaving your business because of this person? So yes, they might be great for, for, for revenue, or they might be high performers, but in reality, you're going to lose a lot of team members. Chanel, how do you deal with it? Because in real estate, it's probably the most, you know, culture-driven industry, one of the most culture-driven industries. And mm. you've got so many top sales agents that may not be great for the culture of the business, but you see it time and time again, they're still there because they're making money for the business, I suppose, mm. for the office. So when, if I was your real estate agent, came to you and had this issue, how would you tell me to deal with it? 
It's so case by case, right? There's no cut and copy answer to that because, you know, how long has the employee been with the business? In what way are they affecting culture? But every single time I've had a client come to me about this situation, I would always say, if you can't, if you can't deal with that with a one-on-one -on -one with that person and they're not continuously going to improve or, or find ways to resolve the issues that are happening, you need to phase them out of the business. And it's a difficult pill to swallow, particularly like you said, when they're high performers, but the long, in the long run, they're just gonna be so toxic for the business. So find ways to phase them out. Anyway, let's keep watching and let's see what other tips we can learn from this episode with Jacob. So over the years, Jacob, particularly now with millennials entering the workforce yeah. and pushes for work from home and flexible working and bring your dog to work day and you know casual Friday, how do you adapt to ever-changing cultures? This is a big one. This has come across a lot, especially now with the environment especially that we're in. Especially now, right? right? I think yeah. it's the, the working conditions have changed monumentally. And yes. you know, I, I, I hate to draw it back to me, but I'm on the front line of this sure. in a recruitment industry, right? Yes. We're speaking to people all day, every day, and their desires for their ideal workplace is so different now in a post-COVID environment yeah. than it was, you know, 18 months ago. So yes, please answer this. How, how do we adapt and, and change our workplace environment to, to, to the ever-changing cultures that are happening in the world? Yeah, for sure. I think first and foremost, we have to understand that company culture is a living, breathing organism. Mm. And like any organism needs to change and adapt to the environment that's around it. So if we get fixed on this ideal, right? The things are working this particular way. They've always worked this way and therefore mm. they always need to continue working this way. We're gonna potentially miss out on something that's bigger and better that we don't even know, mm. which is really the ultimate definition of innovation, right? People, when they think about innovating businesses, they think about technology, mm. but it's often not the case. It could be the way that we deliver or the way that we communicate or just the gap in the market that we um, that somebody else hasn't seen. So when you said before, Chanel, perfectly, like all businesses are people businesses. Mm. So we know that if we have a okay culture, mm. we might be getting 30, 40, 50% capacity out of our people. Mm. And we, we might be okay with that because we don't know any different. But if we can just hypothetically play with it for a second that we can get a 70 or 80% boost out of that person by hypothetically giving them a bring your dog to day work or a casual Friday or something like that because they feel it's more of a natural environment for them or they feel like they've contributed to the environment. What does it really cost the company? Mm. So by having a perception of like, let's just at least try it, let's wear that hat for a second and see how it fits us, we can always turn it back. You can always say, hey guys, sorry, too much of a distraction. Bring the dog today, we've got toys everywhere and the dogs have made a mess and it just yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Sorry guys, let's try something different. Yeah. People will be understanding, but at least you've given it a go. Absolutely. So being flexible with that, I think is a big part of that journey. So you think culture shouldn't be something that's it's fully embedded. It should change and grow over time. It's constantly, you know, moving its mark and you're trying and adapting to different yeah. things. It's not just cemented in. Is that what you're saying? 100%. Really ben. well said. We never land, right? Mm. Think of us as individuals. If we ever believe that we've achieved a position in life, that's the biggest mistake we can make because once you've landed somewhere and you said, I can't go any higher, I can't get any wiser or more intelligent or achieve any greater, then we basically said to ourselves, the only way there is down. Mm. It's the same with company culture. We can be absolutely rocking it out, but if we think we've landed, then the danger of that is we become complacent and then things slowly, slowly mm. start edging back. And before you know it, the cracks start reappearing. Complacency is the biggest killer, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. Slightly, I mean, I know we didn't prepare this question, but can you give our audience four things right now yeah. in, a, in a COVID environment or post-COVID yes. environment that they can do straight away to shift their current culture into an environment that people are drawn to or that people want to stay in. 
And we might need to divide this question up because is it industry specific? Do you think that different industries need to have different cultures embedded into their business? Or do you think culture is collectively one sort of whole that can be implemented across any business? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think culture as a whole, fundamentally, there are some, there's the core foundation, the structures, the building blocks, if you will, mm. that what makes a great culture. Mm. Um, and I think then how you adapt that to your company, the flavors that you put into it is really what makes it yours. I'll try to knock that down a little bit to be, be more um, uh, tangible. So if for instance, you're in a high-end corporate environment, mm. okay? There's no point me coming and saying, you need to be more fun and loose that's and what I mean, you know, right? wear runners yeah. and sneakers to work, right? Because that just might not suit your environment or your clientele or how you want to be perceived. Mm. Whereas the marketing agency around the corner who wants to be super trendy and funky and fun, that will suit them. I can't go to Correct. them and say, you're all going to wear ties and three-piece suits today. Yeah, exactly. It'll just knock them out of the ballpark, right? It's industry right? specific, right? Yeah. And so it really is about how do you want to be perceived? And that's really where the thing comes. But the building blocks are all the same. Mm. So I wrote a book a few years ago because I was getting the same question so many times. I thought I'm just going to put it down in my own layman's terms and then give the structure to whoever really wants to take it. So it's called Culture is King. And in that book, I really outlay the nine categories mm. that you need to build a high-functioning, um, high-performing company culture, how to release it into your organization, how to get buy-in from your team because it's super important. And then obviously how to continue maintaining and growing it. Mm. And so you can really adapt that to any industry, any company, um, whichever way you want to make it play. How do you get buy-in from your team? It's a really good, really good point. It's hard. It's hard if your company today hasn't got that structure in place where you are open and uh, give them the space to, to have input within your organization. Mm. Mm. But typically the way we do it with um, culture, setting the high-end vision of the group and the mission statement for the group needs to come from the leaders, mm. always has to come from the directors. The rest of the culture, we talk about things like values, belief systems, standards, attitudes. How do we want to turn up every day? Mm. That's when we get the buy-in from the group. Because mm. the, the theory goes like this. If I tell you something, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm your boss. If I tell you something, you can always find an excuse for it, defend it, or mm. argue the point, mm. right? Mm. But if I'm a staff member and I'm telling to my boss and I say, listen, I think we need to have accountability is high on our um, value set for our culture. Mm. I've now had my input, I've now bought into that. Mm. So when you come back in performance management a few months time, because I don't show a level of accountability, and you say, hey, Jacob, just see on this current project, you're not really playing at the same level you normally do. Just want to find everything's all right. I just find your accountability is a little bit low. Mm. Now, straight away, I'm boxed into a corner because it's either I defend it, and now I'm sort of arguing the very point that I created saying that accountability is high on our value set within culture, or I just have to simply say, Chanel, you're 100% right. Thank you. Let me go away and fix that. Yeah. And you just go high five golf and do what you got to do. So getting buy-in really is about getting their input. And, and the next question I get from a lot of business owners is, well, that's fine for the staff that I've got today, but staff's always changing or this I'm growing. This is sort of my next question as yeah. well. Do you hire based on your culture or yes. do you hire people and embed them into your current culture? No, you're right the first time. So you need to hire based on culture. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's, it's easier said than done. Let me say that mm -hmm. from the onset, because if I've got two candidates that are pretty strong, but I've got one that I know is much stronger based on references and performance and outcome, stuff like that, but I can tell that their culture is not going to be 100%, you need to be able to pick, you need to be able to make that really strong call. High for attitude. Yeah, yeah. high for attitude, so big true. time. Yeah. So true. What do you think about psychometric testing being a, a, a part of the interview process with say new employees? and hiring based on a psychometric test for the culture of a business, do you think that's something that should be implemented? And do you think that they're accurate? 
I think it's a, I think it'd be a tool to be added in. I wouldn't make my decision based on any type of psychometric testing. Mm. I think it's a great add-on service. Uh, a great example is, for instance, if it's more of a personality trait. You know, if I'm hiring somebody in sales, I know they need to be a particular skill set or a natural ability set. If I do a test and it sort of says, look, they're way off the charts, they're all the mm-hmm. way down here, mm-hmm. maybe I need to put them in an account management role rather True. than a pure BDM role. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I'd make my pure decision based on that. Yeah. So you're obviously the king of culture. I mean, you've written a successful book based on this entire topic. What are four key things you think our audience can take from if they, for example, don't want to read this book? Yes. What advice can you give them right now based on key findings that you found in your career? As in how would they go away and implement something to, to make change within their companies yes. now? Um, first, I'm going to hire you as my PR agent, king of culture. I like that one. Um, <laughs> so the four things, look, I said already starting from the top down. So it's the big thing is that the directors or the senior leaders of the organization need to commit to being part of the process. Yeah. Get on board, get curious, get playful with it. Mm-hmm. That happens, that'll instantly change the vibe of the of their team around them because yeah. they'll see that's going to happen. The second thing I'd say is for those directors to grab a pen and paper and just sort of go into fantasy world just for a second and imagine tomorrow they're going to walk into their business and they're going to go through a magical portal and that portal is going to take them to a future time in place that's going to have their culture exactly how they want it. Mm-hmm. They might not even know what that means today. So but envision it, manifest it, think about it. 100%, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then write it down and just let it be scribbled. Don't get, you know, ask for any type of perfection around it. Just let it all come out. Yeah. And then what that does is the minute that we take something out of our mind and we document it, we're already 50% more likely to achieve it. I love that. Right? Because it yeah. becomes tangible for us. Yeah. And when they reread that, uh, that document, what they're going to find is their mind's already going to start triggering solutions. The how's going to start coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, if we make this change, or if we add this into our company, or if we give our, our team this opportunity, and it's already going to start evolving. Mm-hmm. And that will be the process they're going to take. The third thing I would say is have a meeting with your organization, with your team, bring mm-hmm. them in together and say, hey, listen, just be honest. Say, listen, guys, we've got a really solid foundation here or we don't wherever we're at, right? But let's say we've got a really good culture here and we love the team. We only want to keep growing, giving more to you guys. To do that, we feel as leadership, as, as directors of the company, we need to step up. Mm. We're not perfect. We're great at these elements, but you know what? We can probably do better over here. Mm. And we're putting our hand up and saying, we would love to take this journey together. So bring your team and, and allow your team. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And show a level of vulnerability and acceptance to say, we're not going to get it right. Mm. We as directors are not going to get it right. We're not expecting you as staff to get it right all the time. Yeah. But if we come from this framework of togetherness, let's build something. Together. I yeah. like that a lot. So yeah. that's step three. Step number four, and this is a really, really big one. This is really important, is consistency. So true. Right. How many times do companies hear a message like this or go to a business conference or read a book, they get really excited, they go spruik it to their team, and within a matter of weeks or months, the conversation's gone. Or they gone. implement something and then they don't maintain it. I see that yes. a lot. I've done it myself in my own business, yeah. right? You implement these things and then life gets in the way and the business gets busy and you forget to maintain it. Yes. And just like you said, it is a, is an, a living organism that yes. needs to be constantly looked after and maintained. Yeah. Um, amazing tips, Jacob. Thank you so much for being a You're part welcome. of our show. For our audience, if anyone wants to read our book, uh, read our book, like I wrote it myself, <laughs> read your book. We're going to leave yeah. all of your handles below. Um, fascinating chat that I think can be implemented, not just in the real estate industry, but all industries as a whole. So thank you so much for your time today, Jacob. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Super interesting. I think something that I really took from that is that, like Cooper talks about, is that culture is ever-changing. And I think particularly now, you know, post-COVID, workplace cultures are going to be so different, right, Rexy? They're going to want to want flexible working hours, 
Um, we're looking at four-day work weeks. We're looking at, you know, potentially... Hot desking. Hot desking. Like, what do you guys think is going to happen now? What do you think is changing in terms of workplace culture? And what are you guys doing in your businesses? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I think the changes that COVID has, has taught us is that technology can help us work from anywhere. Do I think that it's going to change the way business is done completely and everyone's going to work from home? No. But do I think that there's going to be more people with a flexible working environment where they work sometimes from home and sometimes in the office? I think that's guaranteed to happen. And in fact, I think it, it produces better outcomes for businesses mm. and for the people in those businesses. Mm. But I also think it's important to stick to the basics. What's worked for your culture, for example, team meetings, team environments, continue that. If you're going to have team functions, you need to continue that. Just because you're in a COVID world doesn't mean you should take away that those interactions that built your culture in the yeah. first place, the sporting events or whatever the case may be. I couldn't agree more. And I think like Jacob talks about, it's ever changing. It's an organism. It's going to be constantly moving and changing. And for all of our business owners watching this, don't keep a cemented culture. Like keep, keep, keep parts of it in place be prepared for it to be ever changing and ever evolving and if COVID taught us anything it's that we constantly need to be changing and adapting well that was a great episode what it do you was. guys think liked it that's why they call him the culture king i guess jacob yeah you couldn't have said it better well thanks so much guys for watching episode three of real estate renovators we look forward to seeing you again soon